1: No, my or my ki extra time. Korovinda Hunia Aho. This week, Australian Michael Maguire's is revealed as the new Kiwis coach. New Zealand football offer parity for its women's side, the football ferns, to align with the all whites. And striker Sarah Gregorius gives us her take on the decision. Nepal New Zealand have announced its independent panel to undertake its review and New Zealand equestrian Janelle Price makes history at the badminton horse trials. The New Zealand Rugby League confirmed that Australian Michael Maguire will coach the Kiwis. Maguire has both an Australian NRL Premiership and English Super League title to his name, but has a lofty task on his hands to turn around a Kiwi side who he dumped out of last year's World Cup at the quarter-final stage as well as their share of off-field issues. His first match in charge is just six weeks away when New Zealand face England in a historic clash in Denver, Colorado. Maguire spoke to media at New Zealand Rugby League headquarters after his confirmation in the role. And started by speaking about why he wanted it.
2: Once the opportunity of the, the New Zealand job uh, became available, uh, I could just see from the outside the excitement that um, you know is in and around the space in New Zealand. I, I think it's the players that uh, they have, the the people. Uh, and just the character of uh, a number of different uh, New Zealand players that I've coached. They're passionate about what they, they do on the field. They're passionate about their fans. Um, it, to me, it was just uh, such a great opportunity and I'm really, really excited about um, you know, coming on board. It's something that that's uh, uh, really uh, brought a fair bit of life uh, into my thoughts around coaching and I, I can't wait. Could
3: you please just confirm the length of your contract?
2: Oh uh, yeah, as long as it, I can possibly make it. So, uh, no, look, it's, it's four years, and no doubt uh, in uh, contract world it's it's uh, reviewed all the time, and I'm comfortable with that. It's all about results. Uh, you know, I live in an industry that's about results, but uh, my plan is that, that it's long term, and I want to be here for long term, and I want to be able to build something very special for the New Zealand people. I'll do a lot of trips over here, but it's a it's a part time top role. But I'm not quite sure what you call a part time role. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's it's, it's full time in my eyes. But uh, look, there's other things that I'll be able to do. I'm doing stuff with the, the NRL at the moment, uh, obviously you know, no doubt the topic will come up around uh, other clubs, uh, but uh, you know, those sorts of things, uh, as they come along, I'm assessing those, but it's it's about uh, you know, New Zealand first, and if another opportunity does arise, well I'll, I'll obviously have a look at that, but it's got to actually sit in uh, the ability for me to be able to take this job uh, to where I want to take it.
4: Obviously, culture is really important to this team. What changes do you want to make to the culture? I
2: think the first thing I need to do is just gather all the information. It's sort of my first day, and I'm I'm starting to meet a lot of people in and around the office. And uh, prior to actually even landing here, um, there's a lot of good people. Uh, You know, I spent a lot of time uh, in and around the New Zealand kids uh, through different um, scouting. Sort of things that I did with South. I used to sneak over here under when Dean was there, and uh, I'd come and have a look at a few kids, and we'd have camps. And you know, getting to know the people of New Zealand—it was actually—it's—it's a, it's a pleasure. I mean, it's a—they come from all walks of life, and yeah, you, you get to understand young people and how they ended up where they are. And I think that's something that I'm very passionate about as the person first, uh, before the footballer. So, again, I know I'm talking quite broadly around uh, what I need to do, but it's really to get to know all the people that are involved, and then once I do that, I can then start formulating where we want to go as an organisation.
3: Michael, do you have any specific aims? Obviously, your tenure will take in the the 2021 World Cup, potentially, so do you have any specific goals around World Rankings, World Cups?
2: At the moment, my goal is every day, moving forward from now on, is is to get it spot on uh, and be at the highest of levels in everything that we can do. And I've always worked that way. Uh, Obviously the Denver Test is uh, the first um, challenge in front of us at the moment and I'm looking forward to finding the players that uh, have full respect for the jersey and and the way they go about things uh, at their club level and also for the jersey when they come into uh, the Kiwi team. So I think my uh, first goal now is preparing the team as well as we can Uh, and I'm really impressed, as I said, about where the team's at in preparation uh, from outside the team, so that's, that's my first goal.
1: Kiwis coach Michael Maguire. <laughs> New Zealand football doesn't expect other sporting codes to follow their lead in aligning opportunities for both its elite male and female teams. The plan to have its elite female footballers on the same playing field as their male counterparts has been years in the making according to New Zealand Football Chief Executive Andy Martin. It's been made clear that the decision to give women equal pay parity, equal prize money share, equal rights for image use and business class travel for both teams is not to become trailblazers for other codes, but to do the right thing.
5: You know, we are now have a football department that runs both teams, so they're all aligned in what they think. So it was the right thing to do to say, look, let's treat our elite athletes exactly the same, um, we sort of have been anyway, but let's formalise it and let's really put it on a good footing to make a statement. Really, there's obviously four pillars to this agreement and what it is. What for you is the main significance of what this means? Look, ironically, the fourth of the four points that we mentioned is probably the most significant, which is the player welfare and development programme. You know, the pay and conditions and, and bonuses are clearly they're important, but they were they weren't difficult to get lined up. You know, we pay a certain amount to to be on duty for the national team. That's the same for both. We pay an amount of bonus. Um, if they're successful, uh, the same amount goes to both. Um, and then all the, the image rights and the benefits for their families' tickets and all that sort of stuff, they're really important. We all came into it wanting the same thing, which ultimately is for our teams to win at World Cups. You know, we've talked about this for a long time. We expect to qualify. You know, we should be winning our Oceania competitions. So this is about getting to the pinnacle events and then performing. So anything we can do that takes away any you know, distraction... Um, whether it's travel or whatever it be, we, we set it out up front, we know what we're going to do, and we make good decisions so that the business doesn't go bust, and we make the right decisions for the players and we put them on the field in the best state. In terms of pay parity, there's perhaps still an
3: argument out there that the men's game generates X amount and the women's game only generates X amount, so why perhaps should we have pay parity? Where do you guys stand in, in that debate?
5: Well, we've proven that we're not sure we agree with that. I think what we're saying is you know, we have a group of elite athletes that are available to us to help us achieve our goals, which are winning on the field and commercial goals and stuff. So we're paying them the same. Prize money for the Men's World Cup will be different. For the Women's World Cup, that's out of our hands and that is driven by those commercial realities. But what we're saying is we'll divide the percentages exactly the same.
3: In terms of other sports following your lead here, you guys have your own circumstances. Rugby, cricket, the other main sports in this country have their own circumstances. Would you hope that others would follow or do you perhaps appreciate that circumstances are different?
5: I think our focus is on us and saying... You know, we want football to be very inclusive across the country. So this is a statement to say at the top end we can show we mean business. But what I'd love to see is, you know, those kicking a ball on a, on a weekend that are not in the national gang finding a way into the national gang. So whether that means we convert our products into different languages, we change our pricing model, whatever it is, that's what we're working on now to say, let's really encourage everybody to come part of the family.
3: Specifically in relation to the Ferns, how much more room for, for growth and development is there in this space in terms of the
5: equality with the with the men's game? We've created the Kate Shepherd Cup this year to sort of put it on a par with the Chatham Cup. We've extended the Women's National League to two rounds this year to put it on a par with the Handa Premiership. But it, it's very difficult to attract the sponsors to the women's game where we can to the men's game. So we've got to find a way to break through um, you know, people out there looking at these opportunities to to own the women's game to own the women's national league to be the brand that that really leads on women's sport in in new zealand and if others follow that's fantastic but what we want to do is make sure we look after our own
1: football phone striker sarah gregorius has been on the receiving end of the women's national side battling with the lack of equality in the past and believes the decision has been a long time coming
0: it's such a Awesome line that was now drawn in the sand in terms of no matter who you are, what gender, you know, when you pull on the New Zealand football shirt, you're entitled to the same treatment, you know, that dignity and that respect no matter what. There's a lot of female athletes and female players out there who have felt, you know, the sting of... Any equal cool treatment at some point in their careers, then it's tough, It it hurts. And I think particularly over time, you know, that feeling can sort of accumulate and lead to some real genuine frustration. So I think this is a really positive step into making sure that, that none of that kind of exists going forward when players are assembling with the national team. The most tangible benefit, I think, for the players will be around the travel. Uh, obviously, we we have parity in terms of remuneration as well and, and the way that our intellectual property is now are protected. We have equality in terms of the share of prize money that we take home from major events. So it's just a real kind of symbolic stand in that you know no matter what this is what you're entitled to it's no different male or female so I think symbolically that's really important and knowing that we now stand alongside the male players rather than you know sort of literally speaking back in economy while while they're treated a bit differently it's not even to the point where it's you know we're getting half the prize money at FIFA events it is a minuscule amount in comparison with the men so I think you know those sorts of stakeholders who make those decisions need to to kind of, I guess, move with the times now and start to look at the women's game equally, treat, you know, the, those players in those tournaments the same. And I think it's it should be, and it needs to be the start of a conversation around prize money and because that, again, puts, you know, it puts a bit of a spotlight on the value of, you know, the female game, to, you know, to for those organisations and how they view it and how they see it moving forward. So. I think and I'm hopeful that it's the start of, you know, wider conversations within our own sport and within other sports to say, hang on, are we actually treating our players fairly, is there equality, is there equity and, and what can we do about it if that's not okay? the it's, case? It's a real, uh, for me personally, it's, it's really awesome to see all of the developments and to still be involved and be a part of it.
1: Football Ferns striker Sarah Gregorius. The poor performance of the Silver Ferns at last month's Commonwealth Games is about to go under the microscope. Netball New Zealand announced the independent three-member panel who will undertake a full review of the Ferns' failure to win a medal on the Gold Coast. Auckland lawyer and former Netball New Zealand chair Don McKinnon heads the panel and is joined by America's Cup Team New Zealand Chief Operating Officer Kevin Shoebridge and former Silver Fern businesswoman and Pacifica Community Leader Linda Wangana. Clay Wilson spoke with Don McKinnon and Nepal New Zealand's Chief Executive Jenny Wiley and started by asking Wiley what they were looking for in their panel members.
4: It was a priority to make sure that we had high calibre people leading this independent review and I think we've achieved that with Don, Linda and Kevin to deliver to the terms of reference independence is the key, um, but what was also important was the leadership, the involvement in campaigns that have had success, but also have had some adversity, and also an understanding of netball, and I think we've got a well-balanced panel in that respect. We're taking a two-phase approach to this review. What's really important in phase one is to get a good understanding of the Commonwealth Games campaign and the preceding two years that led into that and to be able to get um, some key learnings as a result of that by early June so that when the Silver Ferns form again for their next test series in September we've had a robust look at things. Phase two will take a little bit longer and that will go a little bit deeper um, into the high performance system and talent pathways.
3: What has Jenny and her team asked you guys to come in and look at and do?
6: The the first and foremost uh, exercise is to examine uh, the campaign um, and to talk to all of the key players in that process Uh, and then, if we can, identify the strengths of the campaign and the weaknesses, what went wrong, because in in all likelihood things did go wrong, and then produce a report that has some clear learnings from the process, undertake a very calm, measured, robust approach to reach a point where we're making some sensible findings, sensible recommendations. Inevitably there are broader issues in a pain than just the the weeks and months leading up to it though and and Phase 2 is going to be really an exciting project because that's all about how to produce great female athletes that win on the world stage in the future and if there's any value we can add in Phase 2 and I hope there is then that's, uh, that, that will be great Great to be involved in. If it's a good report, then um, there will be some recommendations, absolutely. How long do you expect it to take, and when do you expect to be making some of those recommendations? Well, it's going to be a rather manic month, frankly. Um, there's a, a long list of people to talk to, and uh, we still hope to have a report to the Nepal New Zealand board by about mid-June. Uh, so that's about five weeks, uh, possibly less.
3: You say you're going to talk to a lot of people. What sort of people obviously players, are you going to be talking to all the players, all the coaching management stuff. how deep are you going to go?
6: Uh, well quite deep, um, we have a draft list of people we wish to speak to at the moment and, and there will always be people who probably wish to be spoken to that we won't get to um, but there are more than 30 names on that list already, um, that includes all 12 players that were involved in the campaign, they'll be invited to talk to us, of course no one can be made to so it'll all be voluntary, um, certainly we'll speak to the entire coaching staff, um, the support staff, people from High Performance Sport NZ, uh, Players Association. And I think really importantly, we're going to try and speak to some sort of key influences in the netball community. Um, So, yeah, it'll be a pretty deep dive.
1: Clay Wilson speaking to Netball New Zealand CEO Jenny Wiley and review panellist Don McKinnon. The New Zealand equestrian Janelle Price has become the first woman in more than 10 years to win the prestigious badminton horse trials in England. Holding on to the lead, the 37-year-old established in the arduous cross-country section through the final round of show jumping. It's her first major win and comes after fellow New Zealander Andrew Nicholson won the competition last year. Price told sports editor Stephen Houston the win has been a long time in the making.
7: You have to believe, you have to, as an athlete, you have to, you know, you have to keep believing that your day will come. Funnily enough, um, Toddy and I were sat down last night having a drink and, you know, I, I sort of said the mayor is not, you know, show jumping isn't her forte. She's not bad by any stretch of the ma- imagination, but, you know, it's not her forte. And I said, I'm going to need a bit of luck. And he said, every dog has its day. And I said, are you calling her a dog? And he said, no, I'm calling you a dog. (laughs) And I think there's an element of truth to that, and it simply was our day.
8: As you went over that that last jump on the, the show, Jumping Round, what went through your mind?
7: Uh, just to look at the school board. You know, even though you think you've done it, you you don't want to be that that person that celebrates (laughs) before it's happened. So I needed confirmation that what I thought had just happened did happen. And um, then when I I realised that it had happened, yeah, I I couldn't believe it had happened. So it was a funny sequence of events. But, um, yeah, unbelievable. And uh, quite simply, dreams do come true.
8: You're the first woman to win two in over ten years.
7: Yeah, so they tell me. Um, Apparently, eleven years it is since the last female winner, Um, and obviously the the horse I was riding was a a mare, a female as well. So it was certainly girl power to the fore, and uh, yeah, long may it last.
8: How how long have you been with this
7: horse? I've had uh, Classic Moway for five years, so um, yeah, well, everybody sort of sees this week. It really is accumulation of a long, a lot of work, a lot of training that goes in behind the scenes. Um, the person that owns Classic Moe, she's been in the sport for probably, uh, i a guess, 20, 30 years, and it's her first big win. So, um, you know, it's not something that everyone experiences. It is, it is really special.
8: And what does a win like this mean for, I suppose, you as a rider and presumably trainer, etc. Does it, that puts you obviously on the, at the pinnacle of the sport?
7: I've had, you know, I've been amongst um, the framework for a while now. I've had some really good results, I guess, over the last, you know, five years. But you, you always want to catch that big fish, don't you? And and to date, I had not quite managed to do that. So um, it's nice to finally do that. I think maybe tonight I might sleep a bit better than I have for for some time. And. Um, I guess it's just some sort of contentment and knowing that you've you've finally um, achieved that. But it's, it's it's not to say it's you rest on your laurels. It's it's hopefully one of many more to come.
8: It, it must be tough when an event like this goes over so many days, as you mentioned, thinking about things each each night. How did this badminton competition compare to to others?
7: Well, they, I mean, they are all tough. It's like a, a marathon. You know, we arrive here on the Tuesday, typically. Um, so it really is sort of a, a five-day marathon. The dressage is, is very intense. You work horses a lot. The cross-country day is very gruelling. It, it often is a case of sort of who dares wins, you know, the survival of the toughest. And then to come out today and hold your nerves and um, perform under pressure... Is you know another element, so it really is sort of like an emotional rollercoaster from start to finish, and it's sort of a case of who can stay on and who can perform the best. So um, to to do all of those things, you you really do come out of the week sort of feeling like you've you've had a pretty a huge week on all fronts. Um, but you know, look if you come up with a the win, then it's all worth it.
8: And who have you been celebrating with, Janelle?
7: Tonight we've just, um, we actually live only an hour away from Edmonton, so tonight we've just come home. I had a little boy um, just last year. He's only eight months old, so sort of had to get home and put him to bed. But my mum's over from New Zealand and obviously a uh, husband Tim and his brother and wife and a few good friends. So, um, But I think tomorrow will probably be the day we might um, wake up and uh, probably will have sunk in come tomorrow and, and then we'll um, enjoy it with a wider fraternity and, and people that have
1: helped or make it possible. Bandminton winner Janelle Price talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. And that concludes this week's edition of Extra Time. You can stay up to date with all our sports stories during the week at radionz.co.nz forward slash sport or you can find us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Thank you for tuning in. Hey corner.